Hello, it's me again, Marverine Cole, your host, journalist and broadcaster, who likes nothing more than spending time in the company of a fabulous woman who's willing to share her fascinating life journey. This time round, Emma Pinnock takes centre stage. Emma has 12 years of experience helping children with autism and their parents get the best education and care possible. Her personal experience is at the heart of this, bringing up a young boy who has special educational needs. Now, I don't want to give the whole edition away, so get ready to hear Emma Pinnock, fabulous woman. Emma, here we are. Hi. It's very exciting. It really is. I don't do this often. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you've decided that you're going to do this with me. Look at this. Yeah. So tell us, who are you? Wow, what a big question. Who am I? Um, I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm a ex-teacher. Not long ago ex-teacher, but now I'm in business. Um, I'm now running a business um, consultancy around special needs and um, I'm a daughter, sister and there's lots to me really. So that's a really wide question. Excellent. Yeah. So tell us about your consultancy. Um, So I specialise in autism. That's been the background that I had while I was teaching. I opened an autism resource base for Birmingham City Council and ran that for eight years. And now I consult other schools, organisations and support families around their journey of autism and special needs. Goodness me. And so that came from your background as, as a teacher? Yes, it Tell did. us about your time in teaching. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. So when I started teaching, I was going to do it for two years. My background is psychology. And I was going to do it for two years and then go into educational psychology, which was the route that I had in my mind. Um, I don't know if I should say how many years later, <laughs> but nearly 17 years later, I continued as a teacher. So I stayed in teaching for 17, nearly 18 years um, and loved every moment of it. I wasn't really um, a mainstream teacher and I wasn't really a special school teacher either. So I kind of found my very middle ground through all the jobs that I had. Oh, so, so what do you mean by that? You, you weren't really a mainstream teacher. And, 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 yeah. and are we talking primary or secondary? So I was primary trained. Uh, I have worked between primary and secondary um, and... I think because of the psychologist in me, um, mainstream teaching was a bit restricted to the things that I really enjoyed. And um, special school teaching was also a bit more restrictive in the the way that I saw progress at the time. It's moved on massively now. Um, But when I started out, I felt that special schools were as... um, was I had the expectations that I would have liked to see for a lot of the children, definitely moved on now. Um, and so the jobs that I found along the route were very middle ground, which was fantastic for me. So um, from mainstream, I went to work at the children's hospital and I basically had a mixture of children with mainstream um, understanding and special needs. And from there, I went on to open the resource base. So yeah. autism being your speciality, how did that come about? I think that's the psychologist in me, really. So to understand the barriers to learning, and I think that's where I always started with any child, Um, no matter if there's needs or no needs, there's actually, everyone has some barriers in some places, but I think the psychologist in me really went to the children that had really big barriers, and so that was a place that just became a place of interest and then a place of love, really. 
And that love, I guess, would be from um, fulfilling um, or kind of seeing the, the, the youngsters that you help then learning and seeing the transformation in them I imagine is that is that would you say where it came from most teachers will say that they enjoy the wow moment when the child's just got it and they can't you can see the wow in them when they've got the learning and that's really what I experienced every single day with a young person with additional needs especially autism is that it was wow and it wasn't just around the learning it was around the social side of them and it was around them understanding other people and understanding themselves so there was always a moment of wow uh, so it was always a, a place where you could see progress, even though it wasn't measured as progress is measured in the in the mainstream environment. So, Quite yeah. something that the the um, the resource that you set up for Birmingham City Council. What was that journey like? So that was amazing. So the school that it was connected to was amazing as well. Great school, very inclusive. Could see the changing landscape around special needs and decided to open this space. Um, I was interviewed to set it up and go with it. Um, and basically the history started there. So um, it was really great to just basically walk into an empty room and say, this is your remit and develop it, uh, which was fantastic to do. Really fantastic to do. Amazing staff who most of them are still there now. What, what is it? Where is it? How many people does it help? Oh, so 18 children at the time when I was there. And um, it is based in Birmingham, um, connected to a mainstream school in Hansworth, which is fantastic. Um, and so, yeah, 18, 18 children, six staff. Um, so, yeah, it, it helped a lot of children to get past their own ba- personal barriers, but also their learning barriers and continues to do so today, even though I'm not there. So, and, yeah. And, and the students, the, the, the pupils rather who were there, do they then go back into the, the, the mainstream school that's, that it's connected with? Definitely. That was the aim. That was always the aim. So the aim really was to come into the space, the resource space, as it was called at the time, and to be assessed, supported, to be to re- to get to really know them as learners um, before they started the integration process. And while I was there, the um, integration was very successful, and the children were coming out with um, national standards of learning as well at the end of the um, the school years, at the end of year six. So that was fantastic too. Yeah. I've got to confess, um, I don't know a great deal around autism. We hear about uh, people being on a spectrum and so on and so forth. Can you kind of offer your explanation, your understanding uh, of autism as a condition? Definitely. It's a neurological difference, really. And um, it impacts people in different ways. And the word impact, some people would question because some people don't feel that they're impacted. And that's completely fine as well. They get to define what that feels for them. And it basically is just a neurological difference. So there'll be differences in how they see the sensory world. So how their body perceives the world around them. There'll be difference in the way that they receive um, information and words. So their their semantics and how they see um, language language could be different um, and the way that they perceive body language and social interaction can be different but this is all very individual to everybody that's on the spectrum if you meet one you only meet one yeah wow and now your business is very much focused on consultancy so let's get into that how does it work and how long have you how long has it been established um and how does it work 
So it's only been established for a year. Um, so a year out of the job I've just explained into this consultancy. So um, if the first year in business is kind of like, see where it's going, <laughs> let's see what's happening. Yeah, just hang on in there for the ride. Let's Definitely. get it going. <laughs> and it's been a ride. And so, um, so the first year has been really interesting. I've kind of just been responding to need. And it's really interesting once you've done a job like I did before, when people realise that you're no longer in that job, they kind of want to see what you can possibly help them with. So there's been a lot of word of mouth, which has been fantastic. Um, a lot of word of mouth, a few long-term contracts in the few schools as well. And the um, family work is really developing now as well. So that's, again, a lot of word of mouth. So families I've worked with in the past saying to other families, this might be the person to help you. So it's been a, a good first year. Um, and it's been a year where I've kept, I felt very steady in terms of business coming in. But now it's taking the next step to making sure it's got a clear structure and I'm not just responding to the need that's out there and I'm responding more from a business point of view. Yeah, in terms of maybe, uh, is that like looking looking for new clients so that you're kind of growing? Is that what you're thinking? Definitely. And so at the moment, I'm in the process of developing an online training platform for schools. Um, so an SEND, which is Special Education or Needs platform, where I'll be sharing my expertise and my network will be sharing my expertise on this platform. So that's going to be launched in September, uh, which is really exciting. And um, so that becomes more of a structured business so there'll be more people that can come onto this platform and I can actually support more people than going into individual schools like I am at the moment. I was going to um, follow up on that, those sorts of services that you offer. Can you break those down for us? Most definitely. So from a school's point of view, I do a bit of an audit to understand where they are in their special needs journey because every school has their own should I say DNA around the way that they they support the children and so it's about getting under, underneath that and understanding what the school is offering at the moment, what gaps there may be in terms of which children are having the best support, which children need a little bit more and kind of after that audit, developing a programme of support that I could offer. And if it's not me, if it's not my specialism, then where my network can offer that support. Um, and so that's the first point with the school. Um, some schools just basically want me to come in and do a bit of training, saying actually this is the space that we've recognised that we need a little bit more um, um, work on, and I go in and do that. And so with school work, it's very much based upon where they are in their SEND journey and where they see their next steps really and you also mentioned um, family work how, how does that operate so that's very bespoke as well so I do um, screenings so I don't do any diagnosis work or anything like that but just a bit of screening work to support families with their direction around um, diagnosis etc what are you thinking and what are the difficulties you're seeing is this the same for school etc sometimes it's just reports to support with school um, sometimes it's actually getting past the barriers of the learning that they are seeing with their child as well so again it's very bespoke work when I work with the parents and understand and again if it's not for me and it's not my area of expertise I have a network that they can draw upon as well yeah superb and um just thinking about you know you you move from working um with the public se sector into now your own business what was the thought process behind that I think for me it was a sense of this is the right time so life changes. I had a little boy, um, went on to maternity leave and gave myself time to think. <laughs> 
And um, and in that thought, it was kind of, you know, where's the next direction? He has his own little story to tell as well. So that kind of adds to my own dynamic. So it was kind of how would I be the mum I need to be um, doing the job that I was doing where my heart and passion was in that. And so all my time was in that. And actually, how would that work now that I'm a mum? So that's where the first process of thought started. And then you get back into work and you push all that to the back of your mind because you're making it work. And I'm just a true believer that life happens the way that it does. And so the first, I went back to work probably the March. And in July, I had a call from a family. Um, and there's like, oh, I've heard about your space. And we would like our children to come and have a look at this space. And um, I was like, OK, that's perfectly fine. But let's do it in the September. So we met in the September. I mean, it just worked out that this family was a family of influence, shall we say, um, that came to see us. And from that it was just a conversation that I would never have had with a parent but it just seemed to just spark something within myself and within our relationship and from that it was kind of like actually Emma you probably could do something different and you could do a different journey so it still took me another year <laughs> as it does yeah, but that's interesting and, that's and, and that conversation with somebody made you think oh maybe I can maybe. do this now yeah so you were inspired I was inspired and they continue to inspire me so that's been great as well so um yeah so it was just a moment of feeling it when I was on maternity leave kind of just getting on with it when I went back and then having this conversation and thinking oh my god this possibly could be this possibly could be really possible and then um then life kind of hits you funny sometimes doesn't it and it kind of puts a bit of pressure on you anyway and then I had to make decisions then and I just thought okay it's time it's time for me um and and it was it was the right time did you well how did you approach the the change was it with gusto apprehension how did you get on with kind of getting advice about setting up you know what what was that uh, whole arena like for you i must admit which was which was very different for me because i'm not an overly impulsive person but i basically woke up at four o'clock on a sunday morning and it was, this is time to go now, Emma. No way. <laughs> Seriously. This is it. <laughs> and so I, con- so I wow. contacted the lady. Like a lightning bolt. <laughs> wow. yeah. So I contacted um, the young lady that I thought I could only possibly hand over this space to. And we had a coffee later that Sunday. And I said, if I made up my... Hang on a minute. You called her up and you said, listen... <laughs> We need to have a coffee. (laughs) And she was like, yeah, okay. You meant business, didn't (laughs) you? I made business, I did. And then we had a coffee that day. I explained to her what I'd been thinking, feeling. And I said, you know, if it was something that I decided to do, would you be happy if I put you forward for this role? And she said, yes. So that kind of made that, that was going to be the only person at the time I could see who could take that on. Emma, I've got to stop you there. Because this says so much about you as a person. You had this, you set up this incredible space and you knew that if the time came when the time had come for you to move on you you you, you wanted to entrust it to someone who could do as well as you could yeah. on it I mean that's it's fundamentally says how much you care about what you do definitely it's all about the children first for me so even though I knew that this was right for me I wouldn't have moved unless I knew I was leaving it right for the children it was it's really key that to me all the work that I do um I sent her in on the children, really. Um, so that was a really key thing for me that she would say yes. 
Um, and so she did. And then I went in on work on Monday. And by two o'clock, I'd handed in my notice. What? <laughs> and a wild child. <laughs> wow. Okay. And the journey begins. And it began. <laughs> and at that point, I didn't have a solid plan. I just knew it was the right time. Um, and then I started to develop the solid plan from that point. So that was the December that I made that decision. And so the solid plan had to come in really between then and July when I was actually planning to leave. So, yeah. So that was the journey. That in itself is just inspirational in that, you know, you you were in a position where you had time to think because often that is what most of us need, yes. a, a time and space to reflect and go, mm, what am I doing at the moment? Am I really that happy? Have I just been going through the motions? Uh, what should I be doing? Where next? Mm-hmm. You had that space and you got the inspiration. You went, yep. Let's do it. It's now. And then it was game on. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. Definitely. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So what I want to do is kind of change gear here now. And okay. let's go back to Emma's childhood. So you're talking all about the children and you've got a little boy yourself. What's uh-huh. his name? Alexander. Alexander. Do you call <laughs> yeah. him Alex? He d- yes, we do. Oh. And Xander is another name that's been picked up at nursery. He likes that one. That's, that's kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty that cool. Yeah. He's, I think he's going to be going for that. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> let's find out about you. Okay. What was Me. childhood like for you, Emma? Where are you from? I detect uh, Brummy? I'm Brum- a Brummie. Yeah? I'm all a right. Brummie through what and through. What part of Birmingham? So actually, Sandwell Girl. So I'm from West Bromwich. All right. Uh, so that's so, not yeah. strictly Birmingham, no. Well, you know, gonna... I'm going to claim it anyway. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just lighting the blue touch paper right and running le- off. Right on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm only playing, you know. So what, what was yeah. life like for you? So I had a really good childhood, really. I really couldn't complain with my childhood. It was one of, not of plenty, but of very much of warmth and lots of children around which is probably where I get all of this from so um, being the last of five with a fair bit of gaps between us all um, I was an auntie before I was born so my oldest niece I know right <laughs> so my oldest niece is three months older than myself so she she shows me that a lot of the time so yeah she tells me that so um, so it's kind of just growing up in a family with there's just lots of children and we was always together and it was just um, yeah I would say it was a fun childhood to be honest yeah so my family my parents are from Grenada and we traveled a lot back and forth there as well which was great oh that's lovely yeah so it was definitely always on my my dad's heart that we would know his home and he would eventually go home at some point and it is now second home to me too love it completely yeah, so, um, so yeah, in that respect, I'd say it was always, a, it was a very good childhood. Any particular standout memories of your time as a, as a kid in, uh, growing up in West Brom? In West Brom. <laughs> um, so, standout, I think it was actually the travel. I think it was being able, being taken, you know, out of West Brom and going to Grenada for the first time when I was about probably eight, nine. Um, And that for me was really standout. I met my grandparents for the first time and obviously communication wasn't the same back then. So you wasn't always calling on things like that. So I met them for the first time. So I would say that was one of my most standout um, memories as a child. Is that because, you know, when you met your, your grandparents, you get to feel a sense of place, don't you? And a sense of, a different sense of home. Because obviously West Brom was home, right? But yeah. this is home, like where you're from. Because, yeah. um, and, I, and I I just think, oh, you're so lucky because I didn't have that. My folks from Jamaica and I okay. don't have that. And I just mm. think, wow, that's just 
wonderful to know and hear the stories of your yes. grandparents and how they were brought up and their memories. That definitely. must be very profound. It was. It definitely was. And it was just really interesting to see that in the area that my that, that their house was, is that there's everyone around was was all family and still is. Um, and so everybody still owns their land and everybody's still family and everybody knows each other. And it was, again, one of the safest spaces as well. So there was no restrictions on us. We'd be out from the morning, come back in the evening and nobody really over questioned because it was such a safe space. Um, so there was just something very different about being there and continues to be like that now. My son absolutely adores it as well, which is fantastic. So, um, yeah, it was really nice to just go to a place where you heard so much about and you'd seen the traditions of and um, and now you're in this space. And um, for the very first time, actually, we went for Christmas. So it wasn't Christmas gone, Christmas beforehand. And as a child, one of my youngest memories, actually, is sitting on Christmas Eve, waiting for this band to come around. And um, my dad was part of it. They'd all pick up, they'd pick up the man from each house and they'd go around to the to each other's houses and sing their songs from the island, etc. And it was just the best, one of the best parts of Christmas for us as growing up. And take going back for Christmas, I realised the roots of it. I actually realised the roots of where that came from um, when I went a couple of years back. And it was lovely to see that the roots of it was actually that nobody's alone on Christmas Day. And so this band goes around the whole island, visits all the older people that may be living alone. That's so nice. And it's just a beautiful thing, really, to understand that that's what was being experienced as a child and that's the root of where it was coming from, really. So, yeah. Beautiful. beautiful thing so uh, as a youngster then family home sense of place understanding your heritage all very much rooted in you most um, definitely as a child which is beautiful um what was kind of young adulthood uh like in terms of you know going forward into education and then into work what was life like for you? Then? It was really interesting because it was kind of like I was I had two sides of that life. So I did the whole school to college to university to work for a bit to the PGCS, PCCE. And um, and on the other side of that, that's when life kind of showed its other side to me as well, where, you know, the adversities of life, which, you know, um, happen. And it was kind of just a case of I was working tirelessly towards this goal in my mind but also managing a very difficult situation so at the time my sister was managing um mental health difficulties um and so and I became the sole carer in some respects because she had a daughter and my parents had to look after her daughter because they couldn't actually be together so that kind of became about 19 where this whole level of responsibility came into my life really and so there was just these two sides of my of my world really happening at the same time. And it, and you were 19 at that time? I was 19 Goodness at that me. time. How Crazy. did you manage that, you know, seeing your sister going through what she was going through and also assisting her and and, and trying to see where you were going in life? There were a lot of, a lot of forces at, at play there. Most definitely. And sometimes I look back and think, hmm, how did you manage all of that? And I think it's just the strength of human beings that you see that you have there's something in front of you that needs to be managed and dealt with and you do it and it's only when you've kind of got to the other end of that that you realize oh my goodness I was doing all of that and um an understanding that um firm foundations in the middle of that trying to really understand who you are in the midst of all of that is the most grounding side of it I think and so always again coming back to you 
um, reflecting enough to know actually this is not this is now too much or actually yes I can do more or so being really honest with yourself and being really reflective through a through something that difficult is really important yeah um how tough were the tough times what sort of things were you going through and and how long was this period where you were looking after your sister okay so um so it was seven years really so it was a seven years experience and unfortunately she did lose her battle with that by the end of the seven years sorry to hear that thank you and so the things that were going through i think it's very hard to kind of go back to kind of unpick what all those things were now because for me it's a um it's a finalized story you know it's still very much a part of me but it is a finalized story so I try not to go back in that respect but I've taken with me what was needed out of that and so I'm I'm very much a strong believer that situations will happen in life and you you go through them but you can't take the whole of that with you you have to leave some of it back where it was so take the things that are valuable to you now take the things that are going to um, inspire you and push you forward now with you but you can't take the whole story with you so I don't really get into all the detail anymore is faith a part of your life it surely is it surely is one of my strongest foundations really it's been shaken a few times um but it's one of the strongest things that i i hold on to um so yes faith is a big part of my life yeah so that involves church every sunday or yeah yeah yeah, yeah we're part of a church we go to a church in solihull um so we're part of a church as a family so yeah so it it definitely is part of that i think um for me my faith has allowed my inner core to remain intact through situations that are bigger than me and that's been a beautiful thing because I think people sometimes have a misconception that if you're in a faith that nothing happens and life doesn't happen to you and that's not really true and it's not even biblically true to be honest and so it's understanding that life will happen adversity will happen um, but the, for me faith has remained has kept my inner me um, healthy and okay and still strong I hope I'm still standing <laughs> so yes it's one of it so that's where my faith comes into my life excellent yeah. excellent and so through the tough times then um, you're able to um, think about right where do I go in my life now how do I get back on track almost after this difficult time uh, in your family how, how did you manage that then because obviously some a tragedy like that in your family massive. destabilizing Completely how massive. do you how do you stabilize and and then move on what what sort of practical things did you do to move on it's really interesting i think um i think sometimes we have a desire to heal quickly and I've done both sides of this. So you have a desire to heal quickly, but you never truly heal. And sometimes you just got to sit in whatever this thing has made you feel. And I think that's what I learned from it is that you had to sit in it. And I think for me, my dad was a, a really pivotal part of that because his very first words were, she cannot take you with her. And I was like, wow, okay. And I got where he meant because it wasn't the physical taking, it was the who are you cannot go with her and I and it was that moment that I knew that I had to find me find the find the Emma that I'd kind of got lost in that process um and redefine me which was quite exciting too because you get to redefine who you want to be what life means to you now and so that was you know scary but 
I would find that I found that actually quite great as well that I got to define now what this all now means to me. So some um, some tears, uh, <laughs> um, so some hard conversations, um, but definitely recognizing that I had to make sure that I found me again. So yeah. And around your your family, which you know clearly a strong family, from what you're saying, you know what you've said about family life. Um, what sort of friendships have you got around you as well that that help? Yeah, so really, um, some of my friends, my friendships are long-standing friendships. So friendships I've had since I was a child, or through high school, or since I was from university. These are people that I I, I hide, hold very close to me, and um, so um, they would be my strongest friends to be honest and um and then yeah I think I'm naturally a friendly person and so I have you know well I mean gosh (laughs) I think oh when I met you I didn't think that at all (laughs) I think I got that edge no I love I love your spirit I love your spirit there's something there is something about you without sounding too kooky (laughs) but um there is something about you there's joy in you I can see this as I'm sitting here looking at you. So, um, and and that kind of then really speaks to what you do in your is your profession, is your purpose. Would you say it's your purpose working with children? Most definitely, most definitely. And I think that's yeah. I think I I work within my strength there. That's definitely my purpose. And I I was talking to another colleague beforehand, and we were kind of questioning why um, not all teachers kind of pick up on the journeys of children with additional needs and children with emotional needs. And uh, and that's um, no. there's there's a barrier to some teachers picking that up and we were really talking about it and and we came to the conclusion that actually the empathy of life happening to you kind of gives you that um that understanding of that journey and their their family's journey and their parents journey and um, so she's a colleague whose son has got autism so she was saying you know before before that time there would have been a blocker in my mind as well so I think it's definitely something that set up me working in this space in this sphere most definitely yeah fabulous um so in terms of plans for the future what sort of um ideas have you got around that space in terms of uh, pushing ahead for the future Lovely. So right now I'm rebranding. So I used my name for the business originally because that's what people would have known. But I'm now rebranding it and it will be called the Essential Education Group. That's really where the big part push around the new platforms coming from is around the new the new branding. I'm also working with the schools to get them onto the the training platform, which is having a really good response at the moment. So that's one of the main things around the business. The second thing when I get myself in gear is to write a book around um, parents um, being unstoppable through the journey of having a child with additional needs and what it takes for that to happen and why your child needs that to happen. Um, Because at the moment, they're basically we're in one of the worst crises, I think, for Um, special educational needs in terms of funding in terms of how um, schools are being asked to support and with very little resource and so that knock-on effect 
happens in the home. And, you know, um, I was always very conscious of the parents' mental health and, and the, the way that they perceived this journey, not necessarily their journey with their child, but their journey through a system that isn't actually accepting their child. And so that's kind of be the basis of the book to focus in on what you need to focus on and what are the important things for you to work on when you're going and manoeuvring through this journey. It's really interesting what you say about um, what's happening in, in the education system. And I know you're not a policymaker. I'm not asking you as a politician, <laughs> but, you know, in an ideal world, what would you like to see um, in terms of support, better support for children with autism, would you say? I think there's a lovely word of inclusion that everybody kind of goes on to. But inclusion to me makes um um, means a lot of different things for each child so it would pas- basically cost a lot if I was the policy maker <laughs> okay there'd be more borrowing definitely but then you know there's, there's, there's a trade off right definitely yeah. definitely but what I do think is that actually if real focus is put in at the early years early intervention is my thing I think if we can catch and support needs really early on um, we can stop the the impact later on in life where the the unemployment um, figures that are really high for people that are on the spectrum and people generally with additional needs. And I think the more support that can be put in as early as possible, that becomes less of a difficulty. So that's what I would be looking at is more early intervention, more early years providers being more more aware of SEND, being more aware of the strategies for SEND and, um, and putting it in at that level. Yeah. Excellent. Um, given everything you've been through and, you know, the, the you know, you're going out there being an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. You're running your own business and what have you. Yeah. For anybody who um, has been through similar kind of challenges, whether personal, family uh, or business, what sort of words of wisdom could you offer to, to someone who's sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm trying to you know get through a tough time Hmm. what sort of what sort of um you know advice um and strategies have you lent on that you think you could help others with keep a hold of who you are in the process and not the who you are that you want to be the who you are in that very moment um, because we are multi multifaceted, we are multi-dimensional and when life happens we have to say this is just who I am in this very moment And because I think we kind of do a lot of damage trying to hold on to the version of ourselves that we want to be instead of moving into the version of ourselves that we're becoming and I think the strong, the, the best gift we can give ourselves is just to accept who we are in the moment and see that we're moving into something else continuously. And that happens through the good times, the bad times, you know, the indifferent times. We are constantly evolving. And I think we just have to evolve with what we feel. You know, be very conscious of who you are through every stage of your life, really. And I think in that you um, can't go far wrong with making decisions that are right for you in the moment. I tell you what, it's really fascinating how Emma's faith and words of wisdom from her family have helped her through those difficult and traumatic times in her life. It's something we can all learn from and she really is an inspiration. So for more about Emma's work, go and look her up at her website, emmapinnock.co.uk.
And before you go, do me that favour, will you? Will you subscribe? Um, Leave us a review. Share the Fabulous Woman podcast with your friends and family. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and YouTube. So it'd be great if you can find some time to leave us a review at any or all of those places, if you're so inclined. On Twitter, we are at Fab Woman Podcast. And on Instagram, we are at Fabulous Woman Podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure you come back for another one, won't you? The Fabulous Woman Podcast is a Raging Brum production. 